0: Welcome to A Longer Table Podcast, a space where curiosity and proximity will challenge everything you thought you knew. I'm your host, Amanda Carpenter, inviting you to pull up a seat. You just might leave thinking, maybe we're not so different. What if I told you you could get back 15 hours a week? Literally, I could give you 15 hours a week. Okay, I can't exactly do that. That would be magical and wonderful, and I would be super rich. But Auro, which you've heard me talk about before, is a device and an app. You have it in your home, and it is a place where you plug your phone in, it charges your phone, and it's also tracking the time that your phone is in the device through the app. And it is so motivating because if you're someone like me who values presence and productivity and not wasting time, which let's be honest, most of the time we spend on our phone is not necessary, it's a waste. If we're checking email and we're not gonna respond right then and there, it's a waste. If we're just looking at what other people are doing on social media, we're observing their lives and not living our own. And I don't say this from a place of shame. I I mean, I am just as guilty of it, but it's something that I've really wanted to improve upon, especially as we raise Shia and bring more kids into the world. And so I was really proud of myself because last week, I logged 15 hours that my phone was in the device, the RO device. And for just as little as 3 to $4 a week, you can have the RO device in your home and have the app on your phone and start meeting your goals and living out the intentional life that you want to live too. So if you haven't heard me share about it before, you can check out their website. It's goro.com. But you guys know I only share things I truly use and love. And I'm going to share a screenshot on my Instagram stories showing the 15 hours, like how it logs it, just so you can kind of see what the app looks like. But I would encourage you to check it out and use code Manda if you decide to go with it, because it'll get your first month free on an annual or two-year subscription. Again, that's goro.com code Manda. Ariel, thank you so much for joining A Longer Table today. Thank you so much for having me. Are you from LA or where were you born and raised? I'm born and raised the Bay Area, but
1: I've been in LA for like 13 years now, so it's definitely home. I say um I'm born um in the Bay, but I'm raised by LA.
0: Oh, that's cute. I love yeah. that. Um you're yeah. so I tell I feel like I tell a lot of people this, but I feel like to be born and raised on the west coast at all is such a privilege. Um it is. I'm from I'm from the midwest and so okay. love the weather and being here now but yeah. it's it's just kind of crazy like I would love for my family to be out here and like for roots to be here mm-hmm. that would be really convenient. Yes. So yes,
1: yes, I'm a very I'm very much so a California girl through and through. All my family is still in the bay, I'll actually be up there um this weekend. So yeah, it's like a nice little drive a real quick flight. Um, it's great. Yeah. Yeah.
0: What was your childhood? Like, I know that's kind of like a broad question, but if you were to like, give us a snapshot, like, did you have a really happy childhood? Was it hard? I mean, I'm sure it's a bit of both. And sure. Um, I had a beautiful
1: childhood. I, I mean, I think we all had, you know, um, levels of figuring out who we are as younger people, um, for me, a lot of that work was done while in the church. Um, my dad is, um, or at the time, was a pastor, and now he serves more as a director. Um I'm the oldest of five kids, so I grew up in a big beautiful family. Uh, so there was never a dull moment at all, especially with a lot of girls there's four girls and then my brother um and so yeah, it's been I I don't have a lot of um luckily, you know things that I can pull from my childhood besides the, you know, um, preteen angst of being in your body and existing and then wrapping purity culture and things like that within it, um, which is more work I'm doing now than I was then. Um, but yeah, I grew, I had a beautiful child. I have a lot of really lovely memories with my family with, I grew up with both my parents in the house. Um, they're still together to this day. Um, and, um, yeah, I mean, I love that good like yeah I don't I had a really yeah I can honestly say I had a really beautiful childhood
0: yeah that's really that's really great and it's sad to say but I think it's rare to hear that Mm -hmm. type of answer and yeah I am so curious like you're a speaker a model author or yoga Mm -hmm. instructor I I'm I want to know what your family thinks of that like and also what did you want to be when you're a kid like is this kind of spot on or is it how did this kind of come to be
1: I remember as a kid saying, you know, like, oh, I want to be a teacher. I really wanted to be a barista. Those are like ones I re- <laughs> remember myself saying. And I've been all of those things. Um, but then also just naturally without saying that I was going to be it, I became, I became it. Um, I had this little alter ego. I called her Erica Wallace. And uh, Erica Wallace would... Perform and put on shows and sing and 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 had a feather boa and just was this whole existence and persona that I honestly feel like I've been em- I'm embodying today. Um Astoria is my middle name, it's my it's my pin name, it's my artist name. Um and I preserve my maiden name and also my married last name just to like be a person, you know, like Ariel Astoria is is this is so much a part of me and is who I am but it is also a part of me that I can't keep on all the time I can't you know turn on all the time but it is very much so I'm very much so a performer I don't mind this stage I I don't mind you know a spotlight until I do you know yeah. um but I definitely think this Ariella Storia is this embodiment of this Erica Wallace person that I created mm-hmm. as as a little girl and then obviously as you get older and you get you get told as as women and and female identifying people to to know your place you know to make yourself smaller and so that persona became less and less until i i think i kind of returned to her a little bit um and so yeah i think as a kid, I might have known I could have gotten here. I've always been the drama. I've always loved storytelling. Um, you know, definitely that child who, or a teenager who would be on a train and put instantly put herself in a music video. That's just like how, how my brain operated and worked. And now I get to kind of live it, which is really fun. Um, my family ha- are, are so supportive. Um, they definitely at first were like, mostly my parents were just like, okay, you have a degree, <laughs> you know? Like... And that was in seasons th- that I wasn't doing well, you know. I was still building and figuring things out, so I'd have to ask them for help for rent and gas money and 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 things like that, you know. And it it came to this really pivotal moment where I was working, uh, but these little side jobs so that I could still be a creative. And I had to call my dad because um, my job was under uh, was a nonprofit, and be- they weren't getting paid from the state that day, so I wasn't getting paid. Um, and my dad was just like, "Baby, like, what are you doing?" And I was like, I, I don't know. Like I feel insane. Like I, I get it. I know it sounds crazy. I know it feels crazy because it is. And I 100% support you in that. And yet I know I'm supposed to be doing this. And yet I don't know what I'm working towards but I'm working towards something and just everything in me knows I this is where I need to be right now. Um and so then it was, you know, getting um different connections, doing, doing the first Skims campaign with Kim Kardashian. And my dad was like, okay. And then he tried oh. to you know, be like my, my dadager, you know, and like pitch me when it came to poetry and stuff at different churches he was connected to. So it definitely went in waves. And now I think they get it a little bit more of like, oh, okay, our daughter does things, you know? And, yeah. and so they're, yes, they're, they're very supportive. Um, and at first, it, you know, it took a minute. It was like, what's doing? Um, and now they're like, oh, okay, okay. She's fine. She's fine.
0: Yeah. I have this saying, I've probably said this on the podcast before, so listeners probably have heard it, but... But I feel like first people ask you why, then Mm -hmm. they ask you how. Mm -hmm. That has been so true of my journey. First people are like, why are you starting a podcast? Why do you have a blog? Why are you putting your past infidelity out on the internet for people to read about? Then later, the question really as as they see that thing, whatever it is that you're building creatively as an artist, when, when they see it making a difference, making an impact... Um, paying the bills, whatever, all all the R- things. That part. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully all <laughs> hopefully, of it. Hopefully, yes. Then it's almost like those same people that were kind of side-eyeing me being like, why? All of a sudden they're like, wait, how? I want to, I want to do that. Mm-hmm. How? Okay, mm-hmm. so a couple of things you said that stood out to me. You, I love that you actually owned the fact that you're a performer. I think that's really cool because nowadays and in terms especially of like, Uh, certain cultures like the culture that i'm a part of like i would say in christian culture Uh the enneagram and threes get such a bad rap for this like performative aspect and but there's actually something really beautiful and authentic about you kind of explaining and owning the difference between you know people that know you in real life it's not that you're different in real life than you than you are online but you really um you really turn it on and, and really step into your performer side for the work that you do. Yes. And I think it's cool that you even like protect that with with protecting your maiden and married last name. So that's really, really unique. And I think that's that's super cool. Thank um, you. you also briefly mentioned this when I asked about the childhood, You you brought up your body already. Mm-hmm. And something that I would like to ask you, I think there's so many people that like adore you, including myself from the internet. And it's like, I've wondered: Has she always been this confident? Has she always embraced and loved the shape and the size of her body, or has that been a journey for you? Yeah.
1: Um, short answer: uh, No. <laughs> Long answer: Yes. It's absolutely been a journey. Um, you know, growing up, it was it was I think so much of how we were taught and conditioned was that I wasn't a body, you know, that especially as girls, that our body was something to pay attention to until it was meant to be ignored. You know, it was like, okay, you're growing, you're changing, you're becoming a woman. Now shut all that stuff down. Um, especially as a bigger woman in these spaces where anything I wore probably seemed sexual or, you know, um, um, inviting just because I've had tits in a, bu- in a butt for, so <laughs> I was 12 you know and so I think there was a lot of things that allowed me not allowed me that encouraged me to suppress that encouraged me um to make yourself as as small and unassuming as possible and as a 5'8 <laughs> you know 54 inch hip woman that was really hard to do um and so I did it, I tried to do it physically in my clothing. Um, I love to tell the growth of Ariel Storia because now I'm like colors and I love patterns and I'm okay with those things. But as a preteen, like as a teenager, I was in a camouflage skirt from Costco with a black shirt from the guy section in Target um, that said, out of my mind, be back later in like, this really awful white font. And I cut a hole right here because I have tits. And that was How I existed, just like so much of me wanted to not just spiritually and emotionally and mentally hide, but physically hide. Um, And that was up until, I mean, honestly, college. Um, I went to a predominantly white university. So that was also not a space where I could fully take up. Eventually I did because I I realized in that season who I was and that playing small was like not it. It just wasn't working. Um, And also Ariel means lion. So there's just uh, so much of my makeup that was like, take up you know expand be step into this and it was really hard to do so whether that was you know the evangelical conditioning or whether that was the fact that I was solely around people who didn't look like me um and so it's definitely been a daily journey I was talking to someone this morning um that it's an every day you are coming home to yourself you are figuring out who you are and how to love yourself every day and I I sum it up in some days you feel like a potato and Some days you feel like Beyonce and you kind of need a little bit of both, you know, in order to be grounded and aware. And that's more of the conversation of body neutrality than it is positivity because we're not always going to be like, I love myself. You know, there are going to be days like coming off of your menstrual cycle where you're like, you just don't, yeah. you don't feel yourself, you don't feel full, you don't feel confident. Um, but then there was last week where I got to model and I felt the most in my body, the most confident, the most aware of myself than I think I felt in a really long time. So it's very much so a journey. Um, it's, it, I think it goes in waves, especially as the older we get, you know, I'm in my mid early 30s and I'm feeling very just like, yeah, I could ride this way for for a minute, but I, I can imagine, you know, mid-30s to late 30s, a whole nother version of myself will take form and I'll have to meet here all over again.
0: Yeah. I love that you said the phrase coming home to yourself. I know that you define that uh your book title, unfolding. Mm-hmm. Like that's really how you define unfolding is the invitation to come home to yourself. So first question, I have three specific questions around this. What does coming home to yourself mean? Yeah.
1: I, this subtitle, I feel like I change every week. (laughs) I'm like, once it was out, I was like, oh no, Is is that the subtitle? So I feel like it takes different form every time. I think the invitation to come home to yourself, what that means in this present moment is when you think about if you have the opportunity to travel or not even travel, when you leave your home for the day um, and you come back to this space that you know, um, you know where the pillows are, you know where the things are hanging on the wall, it's comfortable, it's safe, it's inviting, hopefully. I, I think there's that element of of coming home to ourselves, coming home to our physical bodies, coming home to our spirits, coming home to our soul, coming home to our mind and how we perceive things. I think there's an invitation in that um, to arrive at this point. And and it's not a destination. It's not an end point because I think we're constantly arriving and we're constantly coming to, but it's that moment of just like, ugh. there I am, you know, and there I've always been. Um, And, you know, you know where your hips are, you know, you know, parts of you that you've probably tried to hide or, or dismiss, Um, but it's still that invitation of it's still familiar and it's still you and it's still yours.
0: Yeah, it sounds like there's a huge element of acceptance mm-hmm. and not Mastable. trying to be what you're not, whether that's, yeah. um, you know, I think this could, really go both ways like for you it sounds like it was learning how to take up space and own the performer in you and um embrace your curves and like love yourself and not let society or culture say that you needed to be a certain size in order to to chase your dreams and do the things mm-hmm. or define beauty as whatever standard you know it's like a constant um target that's moving which is ridiculous but then also i think it coming home to yourself first someone could be no longer feeling the pressure to it's almost like the exact opposite. Maybe coming home to yourself could actually mean like not forcing yourself to yes b- show up in certain spaces as like the loud yes. funny friend and yes. instead just like owning that maybe you're more introverted. I don't know if I'm explaining it right. but that's kind of what I'm thinking is like this journey of acceptance. So that really leads to my next question, which is what? What brought you here? Was there a specific moment or instance or season in your life where you were brought to a place of unfolding? Yeah
1: i mean so much in the last four or five years whether that be the pandemic whether that be the you know the uprooting of a lot of um in social injustice that was happening in our world that we all came very privy to um for me it was a lot of faith undoing a lot of spiritual unfolding i think in a, in a wave of a lot of people experiencing this deconstructing i just sat in that in that space and it that word just didn't it didn't feel like what I was experiencing. It didn't feel like me. So as everyone was just like, you know, in this face of like burn, burn the whole thing down. So much of me was like, no. So much of this still feels a part of me. Like maybe I'm just like be- peeling back and just removing and shedding what doesn't fit anymore. You know that I have a spirituality that. Uh, that I have a spirituality that includes my body as well as my soul. Um, a spirituality that includes my Blackness, that includes my femininity. Um, and one that doesn't is what I released, is what I let go of. Mm-hmm. You know, that it includes my friends' queerness and their identities. Like, that, I just wanted a bigger picture. And that's ultimately what The Unfolding is for me. It was a bigger picture for for myself and how I see myself, but also a bigger picture for how I see God and what divinity and all of that looks like in the world around me. Um, So it wasn't, I, I talk about in the book, there's been very a lot of ripples. There's been a lot of little pebbles in that made the wave, but the wave was the pandemic. The wave mm. was George Floyd and um Brianna Taylor and persona and, and getting married. Um, and getting married to a person who was not necessarily uh what the people around me thought I was going to <laughs> marry. It was yes. thing after thing after thing. But then also years before that was you know my mentor and, and pastor coming out and leaving our church and marrying her wife. And 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 that uh Britt Barron actually, she I've known her for years and years, and she was my first little ripple. And then my mm-hmm. friends coming out to me and and finding a safety in that. And how do I reconcile who I feel like I'm attracted to and also what I still believe in? And so all these little ripples just created. This space of the unfolding, but it really chasmed um, in the last few years.
0: Wow. That's, I love that you describe it as these ripples and you have these specific instances and moments that, all, but it's really the combination of all of it, the collection. We'll get back to the conversation after this quick advertisement. My favorite pieces in my wardrobe come from Able. Not only is every piece super cute and high quality, but there's a meaningful mission behind this woman run company. ABLE is making the table longer by adding more sizes. They offer apparel in double extra small to 3X. And I have to tell you about their size swap program. It's simple yet profound. When your size changes, such as postpartum or when you've gone through a long period of grief, when you've started a new workout routine, ABLE will allow you to swap yours for another size. Take a look at their basics we love section and you'll see a lot of the things I wear every day. Next time you're in need of a new pair of pants or tops, shop ableclothing.com and use code table 15 for 15% off. Now, back to the show. Okay, so so many questions come to mind. I want to know how you met your husband because and if you always saw yourself marrying a white guy or not. Sure. Um, mm-hmm. And then two... Where, did you always write poetry because this book is full of poems so yeah tell talk about both those things
1: um okay i'll go in reverse um i've always written poetry um i've always written it's just it's i it's hard for me when people are like what's your process like <laughs> how do you do this and for me it's like How do I not do this? You know, like my brain works in prose and my brain works in metaphors. Like one of my favorite things to do is I write uh, poems for couples uh, for their wedding days. And so I sit with both of them like this on a Zoom and we talk about, okay, how'd you meet? You know, what's happening? And by the end of that 45 minute conversation, I have their wedding poem written because I'm, that's how I hurt. You know, they're like, what? How did you create that? I'm like, you, that's what you said, and this is how I heard it. Yeah. Um, and so I've always written, I wasn't quite a doodler or a, or an artist in in the visual sense, but I've always been an artist in the word sense, and it's just how I process things. It's how I heal. It's how I connect with myself and the world around me. Um, and so that's always kind of been what I've done. It started in theater, more monologues, and then it turned into more spoken word and now more written word. So um, yeah, yeah. I've always written and that kind of goes into how I uh, how I met my husband. Um his sister had followed me on Instagram and she was like so great at, like responding to things and engaging. We would chat about things and I posted this poem um what well, was like a voiceover of me and my sisters in a sunflower field and um so she sent him that poem and he was like this is this is my next girlfriend <laughs> and she was like yeah okay oh. sure whatever. <laughs> and so he started following me. My demographic is not men. My demographic is women. Like there might some be some a sprinkle of people in there, but I know who I'm speaking to. I'm speaking to the feminine. I, and I know that. Um, and so I'm like, who is this dude? Like all of my stories and, um, he wasn't responding to anything, but he was just there. And then I had made a post asking other writers, like, what tools do you use? Like, how do you, how do you connect with your craft? And he had commented on that. And then I went to his page and I At the time, it said, full-time barista, part-time poet. Um, And Mm. this is before the pandemic. So we met in probably like 2018. Um, And I was like, oh, I host an open mic. You should come perform at it. And he was like, "Uh, I'm not a performing poet. I'm just a writing poet but I would love to come check it out. And that's all he needed. He kept the conversation going. We talked about music. We talked about things we loved. We talked about writing. Um, And then, yeah, we met at a concert that we both ended up going to. And it was pretty much history after that. Um, I have I it's not that I always knew I would marry a white person a white guy um I just know for me like my wall as a teenager was covered with the Zac Efron's and the Ashton Kutcher's and the Backstreet Boys um well where my sister had like Chris Brown and like all so that was just like what I found myself drawn to And I dated, you know, a wide, not a wide variety. I really, I didn't date very much, but I, when I did date, I did date a collection of variety. Oh my gosh, that's crazy. (laughs) I did, I dated a variety of, of individuals. Um, no, I did date all over kind of culturally. Um, but I was always like really attracted to white guys and they just not weren't, contracted to me. So that was fine until I met my husband. And um yeah, he was just everything I wanted, not just physically, but just how he saw me as a person. Um I didn't have to explain a lot of who I was as a black woman. I mean down to my hair, you know, like we mm. would have conversations about it. Um and then also anyone in his community outside of his family, no one was white. Um, all of his friends and and the people who was close to were all people of color. So I instantly felt very safe um, yeah. and already very seen. And so, yeah, it's not that I always imagined myself uh, marrying a white guy, but um, there was that natural attraction that I kind of always had. My dad, actually, when I left for college, uh, he was like, yeah, you're probably going to come home with like a Kent or, like, a Brett. And I was like, are (laughs) are these supposed to be white white guy names? Okay. Um, I did it until years later um, because, like I said, it didn't really date. But, yeah.
0: That is amazing. I love that. I love that. That's how you guys met, that Instagram and his sister played a part in the whole thing. Like, that's so cool. Yeah. Um. Oh, that's so amazing. And I'm sure he is just so proud of you as he watches you now. Yeah. Live He's your, live out your
1: dream. Yeah. He's the best. He actually, so he finished reading the book before everyone else did. And at the time, I was like getting my endorsements coming in and, and the comments of what people were saying. So he finished it at the Huntington Gardens, which is like, a museum and garden that we love to go to here um, in LA. It's, beautiful. And, um, it's stunning. If you're in LA, if you're in Pasadena, please go to the hunting ground. We're members because we're old people. We just like, we'll <laughs> go just for like an hour. It's the best. Um, but he finished it. And then um, all throughout our time dating, he would write me notes and like different cards. So I have like this whole box of just a bunch of notes he's written me, but he wrote an endorsement. Uh, for my book. Um, and it's just, like, one of my, like, favorite things. But yeah, he's he is the biggest cheerleader. Um, he's come to every reading so far, which has just been a gift. And he just constantly champions me um, mm-hmm. and dreams on behalf of me in ways that sometimes I don't have the ability to do for myself. Um, and yeah, he's such a, he's such a treat. I'm very, I'm very lucky.
0: Yeah. I love that. That's beautiful. I Last kind of two questions I have for you is really who did you who did you write the book for? Like who do you hope reads it? Um, what's she like? What does she need? Who is it for? And then I'll I'll let you answer that first. Yeah. So I actually dedicated it to
1: my niece. Uh her name's Amaya. She'll be three in June. And she's just this fiery, bold, just beautiful human being already, um, I dedicated it to her, um, because I, I wish at her age and as she's growing and asserting herself, um, that she continues to stay on that path, that she continues to just, um, refuse to let herself be boxed in and I already can feel like she's gonna be that person and I already admire it and she's just too. and so I dedicated it to her and I think that just goes into who it's for I I want it to be for the women who we we did get boxed in, you know like we we did get made small and now we're learning we can release that now we're learning that doesn't have to be us Um, I like to say that I think hopefully what I'm creating and what I'm writing is a key or a permission. Slip um for whoever's boxes, whoever's cages, whoever needs, like I have the permission to be this and to do this. Um, and it's also for those, for those women um who are feeling that unfolding tingle, who are feeling this awakening um happening within them, whether it's spiritually or personally, um, I want it to be for them. And so, um, and ultimately I want it to be for whoever picks it up and 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 resonates something with it. Maybe that's not the whole thing. Maybe that's a poem. Maybe that's a quote in there. Maybe that's a journal prompt that I offer. Um, But I want it to be whoever it's meant for,
0: ultimately. Yeah, Yeah, that's Mm. great. How can we all take steps forward to coming home to ourselves? Like, is there one piece of advice or one word of encouragement that you would leave us with that that would kind of assist us as we evolve on this journey of self-acceptance and coming home to ourselves.
1: There's a quote that I mentioned from an author and a writer. Um, Her name is Lala Daly. She says, The wrong relationships put us to sleep. The right relationships wake us up. Mm. So I think how we come home to ourselves is we continuously put ourselves in spaces around people, in connection, in relation to the things that wake us up, Um, the things that allow us to be our fullest self. Without apologizing for it, without dismissing it, without having to explain it, um, go where you are awakened the most. And I think that is it—the journey and the path in which we we come to ourselves. We come home to our fullest version of ourselves. Um, yeah, go 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 where you're woken up.
0: Mm, that's good. That's really really good. Also, the longer our table gets, meaning the more guests I have on the show and the more friends I make the smaller my world becomes because you just named who, um, she was my next door neighbor. Oh my (laughs) gosh. Yeah. We literally shared a wall. So it's just such a small world.
1: I adore her. She's just, yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. There are so many, I mean, all over the world, but I feel like LA is such a fun place to live because it's such a hub for creative artists Mm -hmm. and people who are willing to be perceived as weird or too much or whatever the case is. And we need that. I mean, Mm -hmm. I know there's so many people all over who look up to you for who you are and how you represent um, women uh, em- embracing all of themselves. And you do it so beautifully. And um, yeah, I just adore you and am thankful for this conversation. We're going to make sure to link your book. It's beautiful. Perfect. The poetry Thank is you. stunning. So if that's your jam, or even if it's not, I would encourage you to check it out. Thanks, yeah. Ariel. Thank you.